Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. I mean, they always have a big mouth. They always talk a lot. So, it happened before. It's going to happen again. Welcome to another episode of Fantastic Tennis, where the fans get to know their favorite pros. I'm your host, John Garica. Each week, I'm joined by a major fan of the sport that, like most of us, love to talk, follow, play, and give their unsolicited opinions about the sport we all love. And to help balance that out, we're always joined by an expert of the game that has been there and knows exactly what it feels like to win those big matches. We get to pick their brain and ask all the questions we've always wanted to ask our favorite players. This is Fantastic Tennis. This week's fan guest is a great friend of mine and hitting partner from Queens, New York. A former D1 college tennis player turned New York City corporate lawyer, he still manages to squeeze in tennis into his crazy busy schedule. And living directly across the street from a park full of tennis courts doesn't hurt either. It's my great friend, Chris Uchik. Hey, buddy, what's up? Hey, John. Thanks for having me on. Very excited. Me too. I've been wintering in Florida, so I haven't seen you in a while. I know. Very jealous. But I've been hitting on clay, so I'm ready for you. I know that's your surface. That's it. That's it. Good. Good. Just a full, full season of practice there. Outdoor tennis in New York, I escaped it as best I could. Not fantastic. You know, I just realized that I'm lefty, you're lefty. And our guest today is lefty. This is like a lefty party. It's like a lefty club today. Low percentage, but high percentage wins here. Yes, that's correct. Our player guest today was described by many as a true tennis prodigy when he became the youngest number one junior player in the world and won both the Australian Open and Wimbledon Boys singles titles. As a lefty from Atlanta, Georgia, he made a career out of outmaneuvering his opponents and it paid off as he rose up the rankings and reached a career high of 38 in the world. He has career victories against legends like Andy Murray, Gael Monfi, and Stan Wawrinka, two fourth-round appearances in singles at the U.S. Open, and in 2017, he reached his first Grand Slam doubles final at the French Open. No stranger to the spotlight at a young age, he continues his tennis journey back to the top of the ATP ranks where he belongs, and his loyal fans are confident he'll be back in the spotlight once again soon. We're excited to welcome the tennis king of Fulton County, it's our guest, Donald Young Jr. Donald, welcome to the show. <laughs> hey, no, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Oh, uh, I'm excited for you too, and so are the fans. But before we start today, I just want to make sure you've been okay during the COVID break. Your family's been okay? Yeah, I've been great. The family's um, been healthy, um, and everyone around me's been pretty good. So uh, everyone's uh, been safe and healthy. Good. I like the update. I lived in Atlanta for five years, so I can safely say... Whenever I would see Donald Young Jr. on a practice court, you'd hear about it. You'd hear the whispers everywhere. <laughs> but um, for those not as familiar, tennis in Atlanta is actually quite huge. They have tons of leagues. There's ADA, there's USTA, we have Alta, really big leagues in the city. And I used to play everywhere. I definitely miss your town for sure. Donald, your parents still run South Fulton Tennis Center? No, um, they don't. They um, haven't been doing it for a while because my dad started traveling full time with Taylor Townsend. So he, yeah. there was no one really there. So um and my mom was with me, so they needed someone to watch it. So once she started taking off, um, we kind of moved on. Where's home base for you right now? Where do you train in, in Atlanta? So a lot of the times pre-COVID, it was at Georgia Tech. So that was pretty much the main spot I hit with um, guys on. They were on tour, Kevin King, Chris Eubanks, and all the guys on the tennis team. We always hit. So it was great. 
and you have those indoor courts there. So it comes in handy in the wintertime too. So yeah, you're a little spoiled. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Off season was always uh, never a worry. All right, guys, before we jump into some recent tennis, I thought we'd start the pod today with my favorite way to start any service game. And that's 15 love. It's a super simple game. We're going to throw 15 questions at you, Donald, and you just have to respond as quickly as you can with the first thing that pops into your Donald Young mind. Okay, we ready? Yeah. Here we go. All right, question one. Name the first professional match you remember watching live or on television. Oh, I was at the New Vein Championships as a ball boy, and I watched John Macro and Michael Parmforce play. That was pretty cool. That's a good, that's a great one. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Another lefty. Another lefty. Yeah. He can join the club. Best advice your father ever gave you as your coach? Ooh, uh, always, it sounds cliche, but always believe in yourself. Just stay focused. Just, just know who you are. Question three. What was the first nice thing you bought yourself with your tennis earnings? A video game. I'm not going to lie. My first future is uh, I got a $200 check and I bought a couple games. That's awesome. <laughs> I think your first one was in Tampa. I'm from Tampa, Florida. Yeah, so Yeah, no, it was awesome. All right. The fans want to know. The fans want to know which games. <laughs> to be honest now, I don't even remember, but I know it was on, um, it was on my PlayStation for sure. Oh, man, that's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Number four, first word that pops into your head when I say the name Andy Murray. Uh, great player. Awesome champion. Um, yeah, the guy's just a stud on the court. Yeah, great guy. Number five, what motivates you on the practice court? Uh, the wins. I love winning. The feeling of winning, it's nothing like it. So that motivates me all through the pain. We feel that too, even from the fan perspective. Absolutely. Number six, name someone currently on the men's or women's tour that you don't really know, but looks like they'd be fun to hang out with. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Bublik. Alexander Bublik looks real fun to hang out with. Looks like he has a lot of fun, a lot of jokes. All right. Party with Bublik. If you if you weren't a pro tennis player, Donald, what do you think your job would be? Man, I, I, growing up, I always wanted to be a dentist or a firefighter. Those two things were, were my thing. Two noble professions. Uh, <laughs> number nine, if you had the power to change anything or any rule in pro tennis, what would you pick? Oh, man. I, I would make it a team sport. Okay. Let's talk about that. I like that idea. Number 10, you get one singles loss from your career to turn into a win. Which one do you pick? Oh, man. Uh, I would love to have beaten Stan in the 2015 US Open in the fourth round. That was a good run. If that would have continued, that would have been great. There we go. This is like tennis therapy today, right? Are you feeling, are you like, yeah. we're getting you into the mode, into good. the mindset of what's going to happen today? For sure. All right. Number 11, name the most ridiculous thing that you've ever seen written about you. <laughs> wow oh man there's a lot oh i don't know that i that i just wasn't a happy person maybe i didn't look happy on the court but off the court i'm pretty happy i mean not many no one's watching this right now but you're smiling right now you have you have a yeah all, all the time all right number 12 in your opinion best current player without a grand slam man that's really good oh i have to go with someone from from my era probably like someone along the lines of um Moan Fees or Sangha? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Both, 100%. 13, describe yourself off court in one word. Fine. Number 14, looking forward to next year, what is your number one goal for the 2021 season? Uh, just to get back on the main tour, uh, make the uh, top 100 again and uh, get back in the show. It's going to happen, man. And last one, finally, once you retire in about nine or 10 years, <laughs> what do you think you'll be remembered for? Man, I just hopefully like um, some kids that watched me growing up and thought what I did was cool. And they started playing because of the reason I already have played one person where 
the mom told me the kid watched me uh, had a little poster in his room. So that was pretty cool. Who was that? I can't give out the name. I don't know if you'll feel good. I mean, that's a, that's a great thing, though. Anyway, I mean, you yeah. have two people on the call today that are, you know, that really appreciated what you did growing up. So I'd, I'd love to talk about it. All right. Great job, Donald. Before we jump into your awesome career, I'd love to talk some recent tennis. I wanted to get your take, guys, on some recent tennis news that just came out today. So hot off the press. Uh, this past week, Tennis Australia CEO Craig Tilley has emailed the players and finally let them know that the tournament will begin on February 8th with a quarantine start date of January 15th. Players will need to take a COVID test at the start of their quarantine, but be able to practice during that two-week period, then assimilate back into Melbourne society. Most see it as a win-win-win for Tennis Australia, for players, for the fans, and for the money that the tournament generates. Donald, what's your take on the first Grand Slam of the year seemingly now confirmed to happen? Yeah, so that's new news for me. I mean, I've been watching, but today I didn't get to look, but um, that's crazy. I'm glad it's going on. I mean, slams are important to the game. And, you know, from a financial standpoint, they're huge. They're a quarter of a lot of people's money, you know, that they make because it's four of them and they make up pretty much most of what you would make through the year. And um, for the players, and it's great. And if they still have in qualities, it's even better because everyone from every level is getting a chance to play and um, earn a living, which they so earned. I mean, you were there earlier this year. They had those wildfires that wreaked havoc on Australia this year. Now this year they have coronavirus. So two two years in a row of craziness in Melbourne. Uh, do you plan on going to Australia if there's an opportunity to? Yeah, if there's an opportunity, for sure. I love it down under. I mean, it's during the summer. The weather, the people are so nice. I mean, what's not to love and like? And, and I like playing. There's a hardcore slam. It's only two of them, so I'm down. You've had some great results in Australia, winning the juniors. You made the third round in 2014 by beating the Italian Andre Seppi, who was top 25 at the time. So that was a solid win. Yeah. It was actually, that match was a revenge match, if you remember, because he beat you at a very important match in 2012. Do you know which match I'm talking about? He got me at the Olympics. Yeah. He got me there. He got me pretty good, you kind, actually. You kind of love when that happens, though, right? I mean, you, the next time. You, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Always good to get revenge. What other favorite memories do you have from the Aussie Open? Oh, oh. Uh... There's quite a few, actually. I know I got to play Leighton Hewitt on Labor. Uh, that was pretty cool. Um, when I played Kay in the third round of that match, it was a packed uh, Market Court Arena with all his fans. It, it was pretty cool. Um, what else have I... Do you think that Hewitt match, was that was that one of the loudest matches? I, I've yeah. been in the stadium for, for some of your matches in New York, so I don't know if it rivaled. I wasn't there for the Hewitt match, but was that like a Davis kind of... No, it, it was crazy. It was fun. I mean, it's nothing compared to New York. Like, nothing gets to that level, but for what it was, it was pretty cool. Very cool. I know you stopped playing tennis in March during COVID, but you can tell your grandkids that one day you did play tennis in the COVID era because you played World Team Tennis this past summer. What was your experience like in Greenbrier? Yeah, I mean, I, I love World Team Tennis. The whole vibe, it's a team aspect. You can count and, you know, vibe and hang out on the bench and you're talking crap with your, your teammates and everyone's kind of, this was different because everyone's in the same spot. Normally you're traveling to places. So it's a real good bonding time. And my team was cool. Like I knew everyone, we all got along. Like there was no real egos there. And um, it was awesome. I got to meet and learn some new people and Sophia Kennan and, you know, got to know Fritz a lot better. So it was pretty cool. I enjoyed it. I was told it was kind of like a sorority or fraternity house a little bit. I'm picturing a lot of card games, beer pong. There was probably a lot of downtime, right? Yeah, it was a lot. Like people that normally wouldn't even talk to, we were hanging out, you know, it was fun. <laughs> uh, Chris. So Do Donald, wait, one, just an object there. We were talking about team matches, right? So playing college tennis and world team tennis. 
What do you think on the ATP tour, WTA tour, if they introduce some kind of different formatting now and then? Yeah, I, I just enjoy the whole, like, first of all, like team tennis, everyone kind of has a salary, so you know what you're going to make as well. So that's kind of cool. And, and it's just that everyone's like part of it and, and people can get behind a whatever it's a city or a team, whatever the situation or wherever they're coming from, you can get really behind it and you have team managers and a coach. It's just a really good vibe. And it's like, a, it's a different pressure and, and you really want it more. There's no like, it's just for me. I don't care about this. There was none of that. Everyone gave a hundred hundred percent and wanted to win. And it was just an amazing experience from my experience playing. Yeah. That's what I've always liked about, about watching the world team tennis is that you kind of have that, you can kind of follow the aces or the flyers or we're, we're in New York. So I'm over at, you know, sport time, Randall's Island right. when those folks were there. Um, and, you know, tennis, it's not like, you know, football or NFL where you have one game a week and you kind of get jazzed up for it. This is my team. So it's world team tennis has been fun in that aspect where you can kind of anticipate it's coming. The fans get to watch or watch it on TV and there's kind of a buildup. So every match kind of counts and leads to something, singles and doubles. Um, so I think it's been really successful throughout the past several years, really. Yeah. And you can talk crap. That's what you want to do <laughs> right. too. I mean, that's what we said it earlier. And you want to talk some crap. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you just do. Oh man. Chris, it was a wild and crazy season this past year. Novak was all over the news. Dominic team broke through Nadal remained King of clay and he tied Roger for 20 grand slams. And of course, newcomer of the year honors went to a player by the name of coronavirus. <laughs> what were your highlights during this season? Uh, I'd say when things got back on track in the earlier events, I know, you know, well, for example, the Serbia tour didn't go too well. Right. <laughs> but, but I think once things got organized and, um, you know, each government was kind of in the know of, you know, how to kind of deal with the virus, think of the safeties, safety of the athletes and the families and the fans involved. I really thought the highlight was how quickly, I mean, there was no tennis for about five months, you know, both players used to training in a certain way. And that's another question I'd, I'd have for Donald as well, is that, you know, how you prepare your body and, and mentally for matches completely changed. It was really the preparation uh, that I thought, really changed amongst a lot of the players. So you saw different players going deeper in different tournaments than before uh, as people started to get acclimated with, with the new situation. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Donald, where, where did you see any area of improvements in the sport this year? Wow, that's tough to do. There's a lot of stuff going on. You know, it's just, it was rough, like with COVID and, the, and you know, with our sport, it's disproportionately the, the money and the revenue comes from fans being in the stadium. So, when that's not able to happen, like it really hurts and hits prize money and, and what the terms are able to pay out. So I was looking at the end of the year and tournaments and guys were only making like 13 grand to win the whole tournament. Not that, I mean, for that's awesome. But considering if you're coming from America or Australia to fly all the way to Europe for 13 grand to win the whole event, that's to win, you know, you're basically playing for points and expenses. So in, in that aspect, they hurt a lot, but to see these guys like still going out there for the, just the love of the sport and wanting to play, which is pretty cool. And I just think it just shows how much the guys like love playing tennis and competing is their, is their job is what they want to do. I'm just curious, Donald, how have you kind of been tailoring your preparations now? Yeah, that, that's been tough um, in a sense, but, you know, I've just been trying to stay ready, like, you know, not having to get ready. So I feel like the best thing is just to stay ready instead of trying to get ready. Because then all of a sudden, like the open, you don't think things are going to happen, then it's, it's on. And then now if you just sat back there and did nothing, now what? And I played a couple of exhibition events and that was fun 
So I just enjoyed playing and practicing and I haven't stopped. So that's kind of a benefit right now. Like off season won't be like hard to get the body back acclimated because I've already been playing the whole time. I didn't really stop for any given period of time. I hope we get to fix the prize money issue to your point. Australia did say that they're going to change the earnings, how they're going to distribute it to the players based on, I don't know what events they're going to have. I mean, you would know better than, than we do, but uh, yeah, for sure. I think excellent point. Gosh, man. What are we thinking about men's matches and grand slams? Two out of three. Are you a fan of this? No, I like it in, in a sense of, um, you know, when you're playing, but in, on the sense of like recovery and the best quality tennis and for the fans. I mean, I know as, as a player and I like playing tennis and watching it to watch like a five set match that goes four hours. I know for a fact I'm not sitting there four hours, you know, like I'm watching the TV. I'll come back and I'll be like, oh, it's still on. Let me, let me catch what's going on. But I'm never sitting there a whole three, four or five hours because it's just hard to keep your attention. Like, I mean. For something shorter, you can stay there the whole time. But I enjoy it, and it gives a special aspect to the game. That's true, but I'm going to respectfully disagree with you there, D.Y. Okay. So you mentioned losing uh, the match you would have switched, right? 2015, stand the man, right? So 2011, I'm in the stands watching you play Stan Marinka. I just graduated college. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, this is a match. <laughs> all my friends were all there. Five five sets. So so Donald wind up winning five five sets, seven six in the fifth. That you were down, you were down a break in the fifth, right? Or yeah. Or, I just remember, I remember the, you know, and like you said, like get up and walk away. You know, we that's where I disagree. We didn't walk away once. I mean, we were the one. We were screaming for you the whole time, and I remember you had actually gotten broken at five four, and that's where we were all sweating. We're like, oh no, oh no. Um, and, and, you know, I think that's what's really special about the five setters, right? Because prior to that, you know, I'd seen you play live a couple of times, but in juniors, I watched you beat Sam Query. And I noticed at least watching your game. And that was something that, you know, I really appreciated as a lefty. I right. picked up the sport pretty late. And when I started playing around 14, 15, you were one in the world in juniors and a lefty and from ATL. So in my head, I was like, this is possible. And if I go out here, grind, be tough, you know, I could do this too. So when I watched you play from juniors, watching you play Stan in 2011, and that and that's something special that I feel like you don't always get in best of three setters because you're not pre- you're not pushing yourself to that place. But you know, seeing that live on the edge of our seat, it was hot, um, streaming, and and just seeing you know that that mental fortitude that it takes, you know, that's that's something that tennis is really special that that special athletes can bring out only in those, you know, arenas. So I, I would be a little remiss to say I would want a two out of three set major, at least at least the finals best out of five, like when they switch the masters, you know, the masters would be best out of five. You watch Andre and Pete best out of five in the fifth with no doubles alleys. Like, I love that, you know? I appreciate the compromise then. I, all right, that's that's fine. I still want to watch DY sweat and watch the tension. And I want to watch Stan maybe shank one and then we go to a tie break, you know? Like, what's the big deal? For every 7-6 in the fifth that Donald Young won, you have those horrendously long matches, right. you know, that, that we've all seen. That As a huge tennis fan, that tennis is my sport. I'm with Donald. I'm not watching a four-hour match. I'm not watching a three and a half hour match. So yes. I'm cramping now just thinking about it. <laughs> and if I would have asked him maybe a week after that match, maybe he would have said, oh yeah, five sets, a hundred percent. We're playing five sets for the rest of my life. But you know, <laughs> I, I respect now that you're, you know, we're around the same age now. I appreciate that. So, all right. Awesome guys. Well done. Uh, Chris, just real quick as a fan, 
I know you mentioned a little bit, you touched on on what resonated so much watching Donald. I know that you were a great player as well. Uh, when did he pop on your radar? Uh, kind of instantly, right? I was, because uh, I, I was a four-sport athlete, and then um, my cousin was actually getting tennis lessons from a pro, and I couldn't really afford lessons, but when they when the pro had left, he'd left the hopper balls, his racket there, and it was shiny. I picked it up and just started hitting some balls. Then I started to play with whoever I could find kind of locally. And then when I played, uh, my gym teacher was actually the tennis coach. So he was kind of recruiting me to then play on the tennis team instead of playing soccer or football, you know, that season. So as soon as I looked at USDA tournaments, you could not Google junior tennis without DY's name coming up. I mean, you know, we, we would be remiss to say he's not the goat of junior tennis. So really when I started playing, you know, I would emulate the different players I would see on tour and read a lot, but he had an American at the top of the game, just consistently putting down players above his age. So, you know, he was constantly, you know, exceeding and, and excelling, breaking through those expectations. Um, and, it, and it really helped that he was from the States too, I think. Donald, lots of compliments coming your way. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. I don't know how to take it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's great. You know, sometimes what's great about this show too is that you can hear some of that from a fan perspective. You haven't seen fans in a very long time, so it's nice to, to get that, that perspective from Chris. You know, you deserve that, so... All right, guys, I'm going to pit you against each other now, unfortunately. I know we've been bonding for the past 20 minutes, but we're going to play a game called I 40 Love You. It's going to be Chris versus Donald in a fan versus favorite tennis match trivia showdown all about Donald's career and life. Chris, I'm going to ask you two questions about Donald's career. And then, Donald, I'll ask you two questions that kind of sort of have to do with Chris, but more so about you. So hopefully this will be easy for you. Okay. If we happen to end in a 2-2 tie... I'm going to give Chris the opportunity right now to be today's champ, but only if he can survive this first question. Otherwise, the tiebreak goes to Donald. So, Chris, first game is called True or Fault. This is an early test of your fandom to Team Young. So good luck to you, my friend. All right, thank you. All right, Chris, I'll give you three statements about Donald. If the statement is true, you just say true. If the statement is not correct, please firmly say fault in your best Wimbledon lines person voice. You got it. You'll need two out of three of these to win the tiebreak. So here we go. First question. Donald is ambidextrous and plays tennis left-handed, but writes right-handed. True. He's like you. He's an, he's an, you, you, both of you guys are annoying because I'm going to put it to your backhand, and I have no idea that you're just going to spank him every time. And Nadal will be our trifecta. Oh, Donald, <laughs> did you ever experiment playing righty growing up, or were you very happy capitalizing off of your leftiness? Yeah, actually, I played righty, but um, I didn't serve well right-handed. So I just <laughs> went back to being fully lefty, yeah. Interesting, interesting. Okay, question two. We talked earlier about Greenbrier. So let's help Chris out and ask him a question about world team tennis to jog his memory. True or false, this was Donald's fourth season of world team tennis. One season with the Washington Castles and three with the Philadelphia Freedoms. Hmm. I'm going to go with Paul. Well done. Yeah, you're up too. That's awesome. Uh, Come on. Oh, man. <laughs> Donald, what a great team you had. You had Taylor Fritz. You had Taylor Townsend, Sophia Kennan. You already mentioned you got to hang out with them a lot. I mean, that was pretty cool. You came away friends with with all those players. You bonded. I mean, these are like your lifelong buddies now. Yeah, we all are cool. And uh, for Brees Martin, uh, we literally played junior French Open doubles. We got a wild card in 2004 together. So and we Trained at IMG. Yeah, we, we've known each other a long time. But everyone on the team, we still text and uh, Instagram. It is pretty cool. 
it kept you very busy, you know, on, you see all the players updating, they, you had skeet shooting and dune buggy rides. And I know you're trapped in West Virginia for a long time, but at least it seemed like you were, you were being entertained at least. Yeah. They had a lot of good uh, things off the court activities. It was fun. And you stayed in a haunted hotel. Yeah, it looked like it. <laughs> it, it looked, it looked haunted. <laughs> All right. Last question for you, Chris. Maybe we'll stay with Greenbrier for 500. We'll, we'll just keep going with Greenbrier. True or false, Chris, fellow Atlantan, as I just mentioned, Taylor Townsend was also on that Philadelphia Freedoms team this past season. So question, Donald also teamed with Taylor to reach his first Grand Slam semifinal and mixed doubles at the 2014 U.S. Open. I'm going to go with true. Is that true, Donald? Yeah, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Wow, man. You killed it. That sounds right. I was, there was another French Open uh, men's doubles. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk about that for sure. First of all, love Taylor Townsend. Love hashtag Youngtown. I don't even know if you if you go by that hashtag, but we need to start that. <laughs> well, it's Yim Life. Yeah. Oh, Yim, Yim Life as well. But I mean, we'll say Youngtown. For right. uh, <laughs> if you're listening, Taylor, great luck to you. You know, can't wait to see you back on tour next year. But I'm predicting it now. So I'm going to I'm going to say 2021. You're the moms. We're going to go Azarenka winning the Australian Open. Serena wins Wimbledon. Taylor wins the French. And Kim Kleisters wins the U.S. Open. So mic drop. I'm throwing it out there right now. So we'll see how we'll see how that goes. That would be awesome, Donald. And it would be awesome, Donald. Any memories from that semifinal run with Taylor? That was a great event. You guys beat Barty and Piers. You beat Paya and Havlachkova, and it was fun because you got to play with your buddy, right? Yeah, that was a lot of fun. We had tried to play um, before a couple times, like 2011. We played, but I literally played right after that stand match, and I was done. And I couldn't even move. And I said sorry to her, but then I said, I'll make it up to you. And to make the semis, and then we, that got us our final eight badge for the US Open. So now forever, we can like go in with two credentials and be part of something special. So we'll never forget that. That was awesome. Everyone talks about that. I mean, there's, well, there's been a lot of players on the show that have mentioned that final eight badge. That's like coveted. That's the, that's the badge you want. You want that quarter badge. So you can, what does it get you access to? Where are you going with that quarter eight badge? Yeah, I don't even know, but I know it gets you a badge. It has meals on it, and you can come for life to the U.S. Open, which is kind of cool to watch it. Upgraded meals. That's good. All yeah. right, cool. All right. Yeah, you, you mentioned earlier your dad coaches, Taylor. You know, few people know the feeling of working with their dad for their job. I definitely don't. You've done such a good job in your career at navigating and balancing that relationship. How, did, how have you got through that setup all these years? Do you guys take breaks? Or you What's your relationship? Yeah. So, you know, my mom spent a lot of time with me as well. It's, um, yeah. So growing up as a kid, we kind of had definite times and labels. So now I'm mom, now I'm coach. So on the court, it's a different respect. And off the court, obviously, it's a different respect. And we kind of have done a really good job not blurring the lines, which has been awesome. But at times, you know, at the end of the day, it's your parents are going to have some discussion and arguments. But no one has your interests, you know, at heart more than they do and want you to just succeed for no per personal gain. And uh, that's been them. And I trust them with everything. And obviously without them, I wouldn't be here. So I owe it all to them. And, you know, it's been great. I'm going to help you out, Donald. I think for Christmas, yeah. you get some souped up hats that say coach and dad or coach and mom. <laughs> And then you could just give it to them and they can put the hat on when it's time to do business. Um, that sounds real good. I never thought about that, actually. It's so simple. I, I got to do that. There we go. There we go. All right, Chris, you killed it. You won the tie break. So, but that means nothing unless you get these questions right. But well done. That's a good start to this game. 
All right, Donald, the first question for you about Chris. So Chris told me that once he started getting serious about tennis, he set your junior career as a benchmark for what he could achieve. Being a fellow lefty and with similar game styles, your junior record was the envy of every young tennis player, including myself. So since you popped onto Chris's radar during your junior days, the first question will test how good your memory is. Here's the question. Donald, you had a stellar junior career that saw you break record after record. You became the youngest player to achieve the number one ranking in 2005, and you won every major junior event, the Australian Open, Wimbledon, US Open, doubles titles. Your question is, which of the following players did you not play in singles during your junior career? Was it A, Sam Query, B, Marin Cilic, C, Kei Nishikori? D, Juan Martin Del Potro, or E, Jeremy Chardet? Uh, it's K. We never played. That's, you know that. Yeah, never played. Yeah. I love that you can remember so far back. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that's not true, though. You did play juniors in doubles, though. We played play doubles one time against each other at a Junior Davis Cup. We played uh, each other in um, Czech Republic one time as well. Oh, you did? Okay, I was going to say, I'd Venmo you $1 if you could remember where you played Kane Nishikori, because I looked it up, and it's it was like pretty ob- obscure where you played him. <sighs> Junior. In doubles. Really? Okay. Uh... There's that sound wave, that whole, that flashback music. I'm going to insert this right now so that while, <laughs> Yo, while, while Donald re- can remember. I don't remember that. Wow. It's okay. It's okay. It's not, no disrespect to El Paso, Texas, but it was in El Paso, Texas. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm sure it's an awesome place. Never been there. I will book my flight and help stimulate your community <laughs> for sure. But it was in El Paso, Texas. What was growing up in a tennis family like, Donald? I know your your parents must have played being great coaches that they are. Was there ever that pressure to be an amazing tennis player as a junior? Honestly, no. I mean, when I started playing, um, the goal was to get a college scholarship. That was that was it. Like, Because my parents couldn't afford it to send me to college, so that was going to be my way in. And by the time I was 13, that kind of was realized. So then the next step was kind of like, oh, let's see how far I could go. And then that's kind of how it took a life of its own. Yeah. I mean, those early years, you had so many people giving their opinions about what what you should do and how you can become the next great American hope. It must have been so tiring to hear that all the time. It took a moment for you to find your stride. But once you did, you became a member of the world's elite for sure. What were those early years on tour like for you? Yeah, no, like you said, it, it was rough for sure because there weren't other guys like my age there were that I was there, my peers, to hang out and spend time with. Like when I would go in the locker room at 15, 16, it, it was me and maybe a friend I would bring who was my age but wasn't probably at the level. But And you're in there with 25-year-olds, 26-year-olds. It's just – and I look back now, like even though they might have been cool and nice, but what do you have in common with a 15, 16-year-old? Like what really is the conversation other than being nice? So you can't do the stuff you would want to do at 25 because I know what I would want to do at 25 and I know what I'd like to do at 15. <laughs> They're two totally different things. <laughs> yeah, you're not going out drinking anytime soon. <laughs> no, it's that. <laughs> right. You were so young back then and, and thankfully you're still playing today. Do you consider yourself today a veteran? Uh, yeah, in the sense of, you know, I've been around, I've been everywhere. I've had a lot of fun. I know a lot of people. I know people who've retired. I know people when they started. I played them a lot of times at each time of their career. So it's pretty cool as well. 
do you think you'll play as long as someone like Roger Federer, who's now playing at 39? I mean, I think he's, he's extending the sport, Serena and Venus, these great athletes that have done this for, for years now. Is that something that's on the horizon for you? Uh, I don't know if that long, but I would love to play and leave on my own terms, you know, and not, you know, because you lose a step or can't do it anymore or injury. So I would just love to just keep playing until I just wanted to stop. And um, it was at a good spot and I was just happy with life. I'm going to guess from earlier, possibly that player that had you up on his wall, because earlier this year, you beat a really great American up and coming player. You beat 19 year old Brandon Nakashima. And I wondered if someone like him, not Brandon per se, who had you on his wall, if someone like him came to you asking for advice as a young player, I, I'm sure you have a wealth of knowledge, as you said, that you could share from your experience over the years. But what's one thing looking back at 31 that you wish you would have known at 18 or 19 on tour? Yeah, like, honestly, that, you know, the, the winning or whatever, it, it'll, it'll come, you know, don't stress over it. Like, because it, it, yeah, it just doesn't help. Like, you, you get sad and defeated. It just really doesn't help. So, more so just enjoy the process. Like when you're traveling and doing these things, really enjoy the places and the people and, and build more like relationships with, with everyone around, like, and not just be so focused on tennis because there's a lot around it. That's going to help you like later on in life. Yeah, no, I'm sure that was a very tough transition. It took some, like I said, it took a couple minutes for you to find your stride. I mean, you were winning every junior match right. going undefeated and then you're playing against guys who are, you know, 10 years older than you. So absolutely. It took a minute to do that, but, but you did it. You did it. Yeah. All right. Well done. All right. You're on the board. Chris, your first question about Donald. Chris, you and I have played dozens of matches against each other over the years. Typically, you coming out as the victor. So I wondered if you could guess which of these legendary Grand Slam champions does Donald have the most wins against? Is it Stan Wawrinka, Andy Murray, or Marin Cilic? Who has Donald beaten the most? I mean, I want to guess Stan because that's low-hanging fruit, but I want it to be Murray because I feel like Murray might actually cry after the match. Um, <laughs> Not a Murray fan, I see. Oh, man. No, I'm a big Murray fan. I'm a big Murray okay, fan. Okay, all right. Especially, especially I, liked his, I liked his U.S. Open run this year. It was, it was, he battled. He battled. I'm going to go with Stan. You're going to go, go with Stan. Stan. I think he has two, more than, maybe more than two wins. Donald, of those three, do you know off the top of your head who you have the most wins against? I uh, stand for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. All right. You both are tied up one, one Donald, you've played some amazing players throughout your career and you've had some legendary matches, including those two wins against Stan. What do you personally consider the best win of your career? Oh, you know, honestly, the one that was really cool to me um, was I want to say I was 18 and I was able to beat Tommy Haas in LA yeah, at the LA Open. That was pretty cool to me. Like That's awesome. At that point in time, I had watched him on TV. I played the video game with him. He was a great Top character. Spin on tennis. Yeah, he was good on Tom Spin on all these games. Like so that that was a that was pretty cool. It was in LA. I had friends watching. I enjoyed that. That's a great one. That's a uh, yeah, Tommy. Tommy just beat Dami team too, not too long ago indoors on hard court. He could still play for sure. Yeah, yeah. He could still ball. I mean he's he's in shape. Yeah. Are you good at PlayStation tennis, Donald? Is that something? Are you are you beating the hell out of everybody on tour too? Is that something? Do you have? Are you winning? Like, who's the best? Yo, know, I like, used to be really good at a topspin when it came out on like Xbox. Like, we would have like tournaments. We would just sit around and play all day. And 
I was very good at that. And the other new games, I really haven't played as much as I would have liked to. But virtual tennis, that was a Dreamcast one, guys. Back in the day, yeah, I was good at that game. That was a good one. <laughs> right. I got a PlayStation 4 during COVID and I started playing AO2 tennis. And so you get to create, you know, you're Donald Young and you get to play as you. It's, it's, a, it's a fun game. So I'm just new to the tennis game, but I, will, I would gladly match up with you at any point online at some point. We'll set that up later. That's good. Donald, you've you've played the big three. You've played Roger. You've played Rafa. You've played Novak. Can you tell us who you think, in your opinion, was the harder matchup for you game-wise? Yeah, they're all so different. Like, um, at the time I played, really kind of like the time frame you play them as well. But, you know, Rafa, like the physicality of, of the game is just, it feels like there's no real off time. Where Roger, he'll make you look bad, but then you can hold three, four times and it feels like you're part of the match. And then Novak, like everything's just so solid. It's like, you're kind of there, but not there. I, I, it's uh, really weird. But Rafa, I felt like there was no real like break. It's like, man, I'm working so hard just to get these, these few little games I'm getting right here. Yeah, so that was crazy. No, man. All your matchups with them are, are amazing. Speaking of playing someone a lot, I don't know if you know who the most was, but I saw when doing my research that you've played someone on tour 18 times. I, I wondered if you could guess who you think you've played 18 times. It's not a question. It's just for me. I just wondered if you, you've been on the court 18 times with this one person. I'm hoping you get this right. You know, I, I know I've played Rajiv Ram quite a few times, like uh, growing up uh, and then challenges and stuff. But Yo, 18 times I played. Yeah. Ooh. Honestly, I checked. I went into this spiral, this de- like this hole. And I was, <laughs> yeah. and I looked up Rajiv as well. And I think he played him like six or seven times, not even close. <laughs> yeah. But this guy, 18 times, you have an 11 and seven record against him. Oh, man. Is this, uh, how about Tim Speak? Tim Speak check? Yeah, there we go. There we go. So it was all flooding back to you at that point. You're like, okay, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. Yeah, and you played him in juniors too, so that's kind of a cool throwback. Um, yeah, we played a lot, it's like all the time. It's crazy. For a while, there was like every tournament. Yeah. Can we talk about two or three of your great matches? I just wanted to. We have two of your fans on the call, and I just wanted to to talk to you about it. I'd say for me, one of your biggest rivals. When I look at the head to head, and somebody you've also played eleven times. And, and he's been a top 20 stalwart for a long time, uh, is Kevin Anderson. And you are five and six against Kevin. One of those matches was a big one in the quarters of Washington in 2014. You made the semifinal that year. You've said you've always loved playing in Washington. What was it about Kevin's game that kind of was tricky for you? Yeah, so Kevin, yeah, we've played a bunch as well. Like, it just, he's a big server. As a kid growing up, like, everyone was bigger than me. So I was kind of used to playing people who served big and hit big. So his game style was kind of like cool. And then he really improved like a lot, like after his college time. And then he beat me quite a few times in a row, I think like 2010, like on. And then I was able to get a few, but his just, his game is just tough. Like he really goes for a shot. So if you're not hitting the first ball well, he's on top of you right away. And if you're not returning well, Obviously, it's going to be a, a, a tough day, which is always going to be. So it's always been a rough matchup, but I've enjoyed it because if I'm playing well, it's a good match. And I'm not playing well, I know what's going to happen. So it's pretty um, cut and dry. Yeah, you beat him five times. Yeah. We want that one more to even out the, the head-to-head before you guys don't play. <laughs> yeah, we do. We do. 
You also got your second win against Stan Wawrinka in Washington as well in 2018. So obviously playing in Washington is something special to you. Is there something about that tournament? I think I've read that you also really like playing there as well. Yeah, I love DC. Uh, it was my first ever uh, like semifinal and tour anyway. And it's just a lot of good vibes. Like I have friends there. I love the demographic of the fans and, and they treat me well and the food. And, and it's just a really cool like spot to be and, and I have a really good friend who lives there and he has a family now and he it's my only time of the year I get to see him and they come out and we hang out in the dining room so it just really feels like home and like a kid again so I just feel the good. city open plug yeah I bet that's happened to you many times I mean you've played in a lot of cities all over the U.S. and the world were you staying in with families early on or were you staying w with your family would you guys stay in hotels or or did you have those moments where you would see your friends in El Paso or or Tampa wherever you play your tournament <laughs> uh earlier on to be honest um it was hotels we didn't know about housing and then later on it became housing like a good, funny story is my first ever pro term as a future in little rock arkansas i stayed with the family there and and, the, and it was amazing it was the best housing ever i won the tournament singles and doubles me and k actually won the doubles i beat k in the finals of singles and that kind of started my chin like oh maybe housing isn't so bad so through the rest of the time i've kind of in and not dabbled in housing and, and it's just a really cool and you meet these people and they're always lifelong friends and whenever you're in their area they come out and support so it's kind of like a added fan yeah for sure i was hoping that story was going to take a different turn and then you said that that first time i won the tournament then the second time i said oh hell no i'm never staying in, in housing again <laughs> that's what i was hoping the story was but your story was better than my version i like it just tied to that dui are you superstitious or as michael scott says in the office just a little stitious Oh um, man, I'm super superstitious. Like, uh, so at the U.S. Open, right? Like, there's two showers I use. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> there's only two showers. I have to. Applebee's is my spot pre-match. You know, it's just the same meal, same appetizer. It's what it is. <laughs> what's What's your go-to? Well, yeah. What's the meal? Now we need to know. Let's. We're plugging Applebee's. We're plugging like City Open. Okay. So yeah. So I start with the spinach and artichoke dip. That that has to start. And then I get the chicken and broccoli pasta Alfredo bowl with the Alfredo sauce on the side because I don't know if they're going to put too much or too little. And um, if it's like a good day, I finish with the maple walnut blondie oh, that's good. at the end. Yeah. Wow. John and I like those Long Island iced teas that are like the size of your head. I grew up in Tampa, Florida. All we had was chain food. It was Applebee's was like the night out. So yeah, no, I'm right. I, I live in New York City now, so a little more refined, but but I will eat in an Applebee's with you any day of the week. For sure. A hundred times. The matches I've watched you, I've got to watch you play live a couple of times. And it was very random that I watched you play two matches in your career that you won, which is great. So I feel like I'm a good luck charm to you, but it was one was in Atlanta, one was in Delray Beach, and it was against the same guy. It was Ivo Karlovich. And it was these long, I think one match was seven, six in the third, and the other one was like seven, six, seven, six. Crazy matches. So when you talk about big servers, you like it because you're a great returner. So that that was kind of funny. I just wondered from your perspective, those seven, six in the fifth or seven, six in the third matches, how nerve-wracking are those? Still butterflies that kind of pop in at that juncture. Yeah, for sure. But the good thing is at that time of the match, you're so engulfed in the match and like you're just playing. It's kind of just happening. It's not like it's like, a, you know, it, it, you're just there. You're just playing in the moment. And I guess those guys, you're so focused on your serve and maybe getting one of theirs that it's 
hard to get tight until you get up in the match. And then when you get up and about to win, that's when you start thinking about it. But up until that point, it's it's just instinct and reaction. Yeah. Do you remember in your history the, the most nervous you've ever been in a match? Was it maybe pre-match or maybe during the match? Was there ever a time where you said that I will never do that again? Like that is a match that I'm never going to be that nervous again? Uh, yeah, I, I, no lie. Uh, my first ever Davis cup experience, it was, uh, 2014 in uh, San Diego. It was on red clay. And I came there kind of like as the backup and Isner got injured. So I was put in against Murray <laughs> on red clay. And it was my first time playing, um, Davis cup and, you know, captain Curry's on the bench. I, my parents flew in. There's all these American people. I'm, it, it, you know, it was, it was, I was so nervous. It was the first time I had played other than the Olympics that your name wasn't called as like USA, you know, and, and that just, it was a whole different vibe. And just, I was on clay too that year. Right. Yeah. And then I just knew that wasn't like my favorite surface at all. So it's tight. I do love that about tennis. I don't know if you feel the same way, Chris, but even recreationally, and we play tournaments as well. We still play, we're pretty active tennis players in our community, but I think tennis is so cool because you could still have those butterflies. And we've been playing, I've been playing tennis a very long time. And I love those moments where you can still get nervous and kind of work through it. And that's, what's great about, about the sport for me. And it's a sport I can play till wherever. Hopefully I still have butterflies at 80. Who knows? But, uh, but yeah, I love it. Well, and John, I think you, you touch on a great point there. Cause, cause that's, you know, what we spoke about earlier that I thought was, you know, from juniors to, to watching DY, you know, beat Stan in 2011. You know, that kind of mental edge, how you deal with that pressure when both players are exhausted, right? Because it's not just Dr. Evo hitting an ace and walking to the, to the other side of the court. You know, when you're exhausted, now some double faults creep in, now some tension creeps in. And I think that's where, you know, the mental fortitude comes in a lot differently than other team sports. You'll, you might get less nervous, but how you, you know, handle those pieces, that, that's really the difference maker. Yeah. I love it. I love the sport so much. I played golf today and I just thought, man, I want to get off this golf course. I want to play tennis. Oh man! <laughs> All right, guys. Third question, Donald, this is your last question about Chris. All right, Donald, Chris lives in Queens and goes to the U S open every year as we've talked about. And he was there during a few of those epic fourth round runs, which U S open match did Chris say was his very favorite fan moment of yours. Sorry, no multiple choice, but I, kind of feel like this is a little easy one. So who did you think Chris said was his favorite U.S. Open match of yours? Oh, he said um, Stan match in uh, 2011. It was. It was a great match. In the U.S. Open, you've defeated Stan. You've beat Gil Simone. He was 11 in the world. You were down two sets in the first round. Amazing. 2015 against Victor Troike, number 22 in the world. You were down two sets as well. 2011, you beat Juan Ignacio Chela. He was 24 in the world. And then again, we talked about Stan. He was 14 in the world when you beat him in that uh, 7-6 in the fifth match. That was amazing. You also played Novak and you played Roger in the first round too. So you've gotten both sides of it. But uh, you said the US Open is your favorite tournament. What is it about the US Open that is so awesome to you? Um, yeah, oh, the crowd, they're unreal. Like, and, and they really get behind me there. Like you give them some passion, some energy. They give it right back to you. And they really don't let you just hang your head for too long. And and I, I love playing in the States. And, and again, I see so many people that I know because it's like if you're an avid tennis player, the U.S. Open is the spot to go in the summer. Like that's where you're at. So you're there. Everyone's there. It's just a really good vibe. And the stuff around it, it's just really comfortable. And I just like the crowd. Like they give me energy. And yeah, they just help me play better. I love it. 
What did you think that first junior win, you qualified now, you get the direct entry, right? And you roll up into Queens. What was, what was your experience like? You were what, 15? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my parents actually, they had the academy at the time. They planned like a whole field trip around it. So it was about That's great. 30 people that came for the academy down and they all uh, watched it. It was really cool. I lost the match, but and the whole thing, it was just to be out there in the main draw playing against those guys was unreal to me just to be competing in a dream where I'd watch my whole life and be there and just be on the court. It was surreal. I love it. It's pretty cool. All right, Chris, last question for you. If you get this right, you're the winner today. If not, it goes to Donald. So lots of pressure. All right, here we go. Donald is not just an accomplished singles player. He also reached the 2017 French Open doubles final with partner Santiago Gonzalez who was the same person that defeated him in that 2014 U.S. Open mixed semifinal that we talked about earlier. Kind of weird, huh? <laughs> All right, Donald's road to that final was a tough one, and he had to beat the best in the world to get to that final. Which of the following players did Donald not beat to reach that French Open final? Was it A, Nick Kyrgios, B, Fernando Verdasco, C, Jamie Murray, or D, Fabio Fognini? Oh, that's a good one. Oh, that's a good one. For the win. Yeah, you know, I think I think I would have heard the echo of some more crack rackets. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Kiggs. I'm gonna go with Kiggs. He didn't play Nick Kyrgios. Okay. Do you know the answer to that, Donald? Do you Yeah, I know the answer for sure. <laughs> wow. Who was it? I didn't play Fognini. Oh my god. <laughs> oh there we go. There we go. But also a great doubles player, Fognini. So I mean Yeah, that was that was a good guess though, to be honest. You know what? I'm glad because I was making these questions way too easy. I'm glad someone got this wrong. That was great. All right, Donald, I want to talk about that French. What a great two weeks. What do you remember from those matches in Paris? Yeah, to be honest, the Hala tournament started. It was like a 13-11 five set with Ferrer. Um, and then I to play on clay, which is the best I had felt. I, even though I didn't win the match, it was like the best I had played up until that point on clay. And then um, the next day we played our first round of doubles and I could barely walk. Like I couldn't do any, I was hurting. I was hurting pretty bad. And to just kind of get through the first one and then the second and then the third. And I was like, oh, wow. Like I've never been top 100 in doubles. Like, let's see how it goes. And then we beat another team. And then I'm like, oh, for sure, we're not going to win this one. Then we won that match. And then we ended up in the finals. It was, and had a chance to win that as well. Yeah. It was just an amazing um, run. And, and Bondi, Santi, and I, we, we're close now to this day. Just having those experiences together, it's amazing. Man, awesome. Quick question. on uh, when, when you're going deep into events like that, you know, whether it's singles or doubles, what have you found in your experience is most effective for post-match recovery? Yeah, so um, two things that I, I kind of swear by, like the, the ice bath and the Normatex. There, that's really kind of my two go-tos, and, and they really get the legs back feeling great, and um, you feel like you can, you know, do the same thing again. And on the other thing, with the end of the tournament, the other cool part is the locker room gets thinner and thinner. <laughs> you can almost do whatever you want. Or you can play music yeah. in there, and it's like your own personal locker room. You're still using the same shower, though, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, that, that doesn't really change. Yeah. yeah. Donald, how important is doubles to you at this point in your career? No, it's important. Um, there's like a, a really kind of funny saying that a lot of uh, guys say, like some, some singles guys, and they say, the doubles pays the taxes, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. but, but other than that, though, it's fun. I just love playing. It's like another team aspect. And it's really great practice. Like your returns get grooved, your volleys, the pressure, since there's no ad, like everything's happening so quick. 
your reaction and reflexes. It really helps the the singles, I feel, and vice versa. The singles helps the doubles. What side do you play, Donald? Uh, primarily Deuce, but I can play either one. When I play with uh, Monroe, I play Ad because he likes Deuce, and some other guys I've switched out, but uh, primarily Deuce. Yeah, I'm a Deuce court guy too, but even a mixed, which is really sad. I just stay on that Deuce side. <laughs> I, do, I know it's pretty bad, but I won't. I'm not leaving. It's uh, it's just what I do. It's just what I know. That's all. All right, Donald, you're the winner of this fan versus favorite game, bragging rights to the tennis pro this week. Good try, though, Chris. You were. All right, you know. Play very, very, very well today. You know, I did. <laughs> very impressed. Yeah, that was good. That was pretty good. I, that was that was awesome, actually. Good job. <laughs> All right, just a couple questions left. You've got mail. We have some fan mail questions for Donald Young Jr. The first one is Ryan from close to you in Marietta, Georgia. He asks, which was a prouder moment for you, representing the U.S. in Davis Cup or playing the Olympic Games? And what did those two events mean to you? Wow, that's close. They're really, they're just different in their own right. I mean, if I had to pick one for like, personally, it would be the Olympics because that lasts forever. Like you're an Olympian your whole life and you have all the memorabilia. It's pretty cool. Like you just part of a family. Like when you say you played the Olympics, people were like, oh, really? Like it kind of has a a ring to it. So in, in that aspect, I would have to say the Olympics. But as far as a tennis aspect, uh, Davis Cup for sure. That was a dream. I mean, I would sit there with my friend and we would watch that and like, man, one day I'm going to be out there and to do it. It was pretty cool. Did you get to walk in the opening ceremonies? I did. I made the trip from Wimbledon all the way out there. I had to, you know, we walked and it was, it was all the, oh man, it, it was awesome. pretty cool. We got to take pictures with all the NBA guys, LeBron, Kobe, uh, Duran, um, Kevin Love. It, it, it was an awesome. Oh yeah. man. Unbelievable. Did you get to watch any sports? Did you get to go and experience a little bit of the games? I did. Uh, the tickets are really hard to get. The only sport in, in all the full transparency I got to watch was men's volleyball. So okay. <laughs> that was what I got to watch. All right. Respectable. You know, yeah. respectable. All right. Your last question from a fan. And then we have one from Chris. On a more serious note, Donald Dell from Philadelphia, PA, USA writes, I follow you on Instagram and on your latest post, you posted a video of some of the ignorant racist things that people have written you. Fixing a racist America will continue to be a struggle for years to come. But in your opinion, has the ATP done a good job at addressing and acknowledging racism exists on tour? That's a good question. Um, You know, it's tough. It's such an international sport. So, you know, I think a lot of players get that um, on Instagram, but primarily people of color it's really tough because the only really go-to is just to talk about that it's really it's nothing else like you're not a bad tennis player it's just that you know which is like you know come up with something new like you know like say my forehand sucks like but don't just bring up that so in that sense I think the ATV could do a better job with you know curtailing and helping with those like abuse online for as far as the players and these people betting and whatnot and on the other end it's just something that people and themselves have to just be better about because not one person or organization can stop it. If someone wants to do it, there are a lot of outlets to, you know, get to what you're trying to do. I mean, you've said it yourself in the past. You've even heard it on court as well. So I know there's still a lot of work to do, not just in tennis, but in the world. So thanks for posting that. Chris, last question goes to you. When you're, when you're getting ready for a match, you know, what's something that you've leaned on in terms of within the matches? Are there any moments that you find yourself just kind of closing your eyes in the important moments? Or is it always just kind of instinctual? Yeah, you have some little things that you, you kind of do. You know, for me, it's some breathing. It's some deep breathing. I, I'll do a certain um, 
rhythm or amount of deep breaths to like kind of just slow the heart rate down, get me focused. So those things have kind of lasted for most of my pro career since the time I was maybe 23 or so, you know, because before then you're just playing. But then after a while, you realize there's there's more to this than that. So since then, that kind of the breathing aspect before the match, during the match to just keep me calm and get me ready. That's been important. Great advice. All right, guys, really fun hour. I had a fantastic time. I want to thank my guests for joining us today. We learned a lot for sure. You can find Chris Uchik on Instagram at Chris U-J-K-I-C. Thank you, Chris. We'll see you soon, sir. I'll see you back home when I'm sick of this weather in Florida, which may be a while. Our guest today can be found on Instagram at Donald Young Jr., Donald, I can't thank you enough today. You have a God-given talent, my friend, and I know that if you keep working hard, we're going to see you back where you belong. So you've got this. We're all in your corner. Appreciate it. Thanks, Chris and John. It's been a lot of fun, man. I've enjoyed it. You can check Donald out at an Applebee's near you for sure, anywhere you go. <laughs> and while you're on Instagram, everybody, please follow us at Fantastic Tennis Pod or on Twitter at Fan Tennis Pod. My name is John Garica, and thank you for listening. This has been fantastic. Thank you.